It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you, of course, by our great friends at MyBookie with Michigan winning the national championship on Monday night. We are now officially, officially in the college ball offseason, but that does not mean that you can't bet on games out there and put some cash in your pockets. We are full into college basketball season. Georgia's looking good right now. A lot of good stuff going on. So you have plenty of action to get in on right now. So go to mybookie.ag, sign up for a brand new account. And when you do so, use our promo code UGA and you'll get a 50% bonus on that first deposit if you're a new user. So take advantage of it while you can, guys. This offer will last all the way through the college basketball season. But jump on it while you can and line those pockets this college basketball season. All right, guys, I am your host, Tyler, and holy yeah, by the time you are listening to this episode, I am very sure that you have already heard the news. If you hadn't heard the news, you saw the news in the title of this episode, but the news that has rocked the cushball world, Nick Saban, the GOAT, has retired. I didn't believe it at first when I first saw it, but no, it is legit. The architect of the modern Bama resurgence is walking away from the sport. And while, yeah, it's Alabama, this very obviously has some serious implications for the University of Georgia, our dearly beloved Bulldogs. So we are going to be all over it today. And to be honest with you guys, at this point, I am just convinced that every episode, the rest of January, if not maybe even the rest of the offseason, is going to be an emergency podcast because this is what, three in a row when we usually average maybe two a year? Just crazy times in college football, man. It's been a crazy January and we are, what, a third of the way through it, so we'll see how the rest of the month goes. But when the GOAT steps down and that GOAT happened to coach at a program in our own conference, you can't not cover it, so... That is what we are going to do today. I have not forgotten about the mailbag questions. I still have a nice list of mailbag questions, but I'm sorry, guys. We, we got to cover this today. I'm not saying we're not going to answer the mailbag questions. We will do that next week as long as we don't have more breaking news. We don't do a fourth and fifth consecutive emergency podcast. Those are coming, but we've got to talk about this today because there are about 5,001 different angles to look at this from. My head is still very much spinning. My mind has been jumping from thought to thought since the news hit. So yeah, clearly this episode is entirely off the cuff. I had an entirely different episode planned, didn't have this on my bingo card for the month of January, but here we are, had zero time to prep for it. I wanted to push it off to later tonight, but that's not going to work because I had the Georgia-Arkansas basketball game to get to. So We're just going to do it now. We're going to go stream of consciousness here. I'm going to try to structure this as well as I can, but just forgive me if I'm a little all over the place today. I appreciate that in advance. And also, I'm going to try to get Curtis on here. I was trying to push this back as long as I could so he could get home from work, but he is on his way right now. He's on his way home, so he's going to hopefully call in at some point today, and we'll get him on here. But I, I want to start with this before Curtis gets on here. I want to give a, a very, very, very sincere tip of the cap to Nick Saban. I know as a Georgia fan, I'm probably supposed to hate this man. 
I know as a Georgia fan, I have every reason to hate this man. But I've never felt that way. I never hated him. Never did. Not once. Even when we were not really competing for national titles. Yes, we wanted to win national titles, but we weren't there yet as a program. I never hated the guy. I really didn't. I was resentful at times of what they had and what they were doing. Yeah, sure, but I never hated the man. I've always had an immense amount of respect for Nick Saban, not just for the crazy, unprecedented amount of success the man has had, and that, and that is very true, that is very real, but even more so the way he went about it. I know that, you know, every college football fan base wants to sling mud at, at the, the guy that's on top. We've been experiencing that the past couple of years, right? So there's always, oh, Nick Saban's cheating, Saban's doing that. I don't know, man. Look, I, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. All I know is that there's never any proof of that. And every time I've ever seen the man really give a speech, well, I should say any time, most of the time I've seen the man talk, uh, whether it's press conferences or certainly in interview settings, and he certainly opened up the older he's gotten. I've always walked away extremely impressed with him. And everything I've ever heard about the guy, obviously, I don't know him, but you know, anyone that I've ever heard that's been around him, this guy is, yeah, he wants to win, but he's also a guy that's a, a, a developer of men, right? Like he, he's trying to develop these players, yes, as players, but also as young men. And I always have a lot of respect for that. And let's look, guys, he changed the game, man. He absolutely changed the game with how he built out support staff and how everyone's done that. But Saban was the one who really pioneered that stuff, guys. His defensive concepts and philosophies, and then his ability to adapt over time to the changing landscape of college football and his ex- excellence over the course of, of multiple decades. I mean, guys, it's, it's unbelievable. And we have witnessed all of this. You know, I, I've said before, I feel like Brock Bowers is my generation's Herschel Walker. I'm not old enough to have watched Herschel Walker play live. I was not born until 1985. But, so Brock Bowers has been that for me. And in a lot of ways, I can say the same thing about Nick Saban in terms of like he's like the modern day Bear Bryant. You always, growing up, I always heard like the legend of Bear Bryant, people talking about Bear Bryant. I remember him being in Forrest Gump and asked my dad, like, who's that? Well, that's Bear Bryant. Let me tell you, son. Well, I feel like Nick Saban's that guy for us, at least for me in my lifetime. So I don't hate the man. I, I, I never have. And I know that might sound, sound blasphemous to the average Georgia fan because I should hate him, right? But no, I, I've never had those feelings. I've had respect for this man. Resented at him at times, yeah, of course, but never hated him. It's like I said after the SEC Championship game when I was trying to explain why I was rooting for Michigan over Alabama. It wasn't about Nick Saban. No, I wasn't rooting against Nick Saban. I actually like Nick Saban. It's not even that I don't hate him. I actually like the guy. Maybe a little bit begrudgingly, but... I like the guy. It was never about that. I hate Alabama. Yeah, I, I will say that. I, I, I'm with most of you out there. I hate Alabama, but it wasn't about Saban. It was about the Alabama fans. I've been around them far too often, too many times, and lost them. Let's be real. Lost them too many times and seen how they've acted. And uh, yeah, don't have any love for them. Hate them, but it was never about Nick Saban. So I wish him the absolute best. I mean, what a freaking career, guys. Think about it. We got to watch the GOAT. We got to watch the GOAT tied in and Brock Bowers. We got to watch the GOAT. Nick Saban, the GOAT coach. I mean, we've been fortunate, guys. Been fortunate here. So it's going to be weird, man. It's going to be really, really weird to watch Alabama games on Saturdays, on fall Saturdays, and not see Nick Saban on the sideline. It's going to be exceptionally weird. I imagine he'll probably do some TV work. I know he's been doing some stuff with the Pat McAfee show. I always felt that he'd be good on college game day. I think actually once upon a time, there's always this rumor that he was going to he was going to be on college game day. He was thinking about retiring years, years ago and was maybe going to take over for Corso, but that never actually ended up happening. I don't know. Maybe he'll show up on college game day, but I imagine he'll do some TV work at some point somewhere. But this is a wild day, guys. This is a day that I guess we all knew was coming at some point, but at the same time, it's one of those things that I just never thought would happen. Like I would never see it happen. Because Nick Saban is just a machine, right? Like the man never stops. As far as I'm concerned, the man doesn't even actually sleep. I know he eats uh, an oatmeal pie every day, but as far as I know, that's all the man eats. I just always felt he was like the college football version of the Energizer Bunny. And I always had this feeling that he might be like Bear Bryant in that he's so attached to the sport. It means so much to him. It's so much built into what he actually is as a human being and what's important to him and what he values and what he loves about life that the second he quit, he would just die. But he's a different guy. This is a different era. He's got that house down in, in Miami now in South Florida. He's got the lake house. He can do the TV work, as we were talking about. That wasn't really an option for Bear Bryant at the time. It really was coach football or do nothing. Just sit in my rocking chair on my front porch and just pass away the days. But this is a different time in history. It's a little bit different for Nick Saban. But still, at the same time, I just never felt like it would happen. Like You know it's going to happen, but you never felt like it was actually going to happen. But here we are. 
And it has happened. Nick Saban has officially retired, and it's wild, man. But all right, guys, I've actually got Curtis calling in here right now. So I'm going to do a break real quick. I know this is kind of early for a break, but I want to just stop right here. It's going to stop you point before Curtis jumps on. And I want to remind you guys about our friends at Alumni Hall. Guys, it is college basketball season. And if you haven't noticed, our Georgia Bulldogs are off to a pretty good start here. We're not in the tournament right now. We're like, we're not in the projected field, but we're right there on the bubble. And if we get a couple big wins, who knows? We might find ourselves actually in the tournament for the first time in what, like nine years? So, of course, we all love college football. We all love Georgia football. But now is the time to give some love to our Georgia men's hoops team. And you can get all the latest Georgia basketball gear at Alumni Hall. They've got some new stuff in stock. They've got some hoodies. They've got some uh, some crewnecks. They've got some t-shirts. A lot of great stuff for you. So make sure you check that out either in-store inside the Etzbridge Shopping Center or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, guys, we have a very special guest today. My co-host Curtis has called in. He's gotten home from work. And I'm actually really glad, Curtis, that you were able to get on this episode because I don't know if we've actually officially put this out there, Curtis. I hope you don't mind if I put it out there. But you know, you guys know Curtis is a law school for a while, and now he is officially a lawyer, and he accepted a job in Birmingham. So Curtis actually has relocated to the state of Alabama. So you have boots on the ground there, Curtis, in the state of Alabama. And I know that you work with some some Bama people and maybe live around some Bama people. So I just got to ask you, first off, what is the vibe there in Alabama right now? What are these people saying? I think more than anything, it's just like a sense of mourning. I mean, it sounds like a joke, but in all honesty, uh, Alabama football, and I think everyone kind of knows it, you know, wasn't really at the top of his game until Saban got there. So, you know, a lot of, People here look at look up to him, not just for in sports, but in kind of like all aspects of life, kind of like how he holds everyone accountable. So it's very interesting to see because, you know, they view him as more than just a coach. So I think I mean, he is Alabama right now, Curtis. I mean, he has been for 15 years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, ever since he especially I mean, he was already a big deal when he got there. But then when he won his first one and then, you know, kind of got it rolling, he resurrected the job. A lot of people, it's all they know. Yeah, that's what I, I was thinking about this. Like, Curtis, there is an entire generation of Bama fans, an entire generation of football players out there right now that all they have known is Alabama being at the top, right? That's it. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Some of these kids now that are like being recruits weren't, were like, some of them I don't even think- They were not of of watching football age. Yeah, and even these kids now, I think the class of 2025 that we're working towards, uh, these kids literally were being born the first year he was coaching. That's great. Yeah, 07, man. That was, that's crazy. I mean, I still remember the, the, the game we played them in his first year in Tuscaloosa, obviously that was Matthew Stafford, Mikey Henderson, you know, touchdown overtime, craziness. And, and like at that point, it's like, you know, it's still, you know, when I was, I mean, how old was I then? I was 07. So I was what, 22 at that time when that happened. 
But my life growing up, yeah, there was uh, some there were some dark years. Now they were never like completely off the radar. They had some tough years, but they they won a national championship in the nineties with Gene Stallings. They had you know multiple SEC championships between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban, and they had you know what eight or nine ten win seasons. And most programs in the country can't say anything like that. But by Bama standards, by Bear Bryant and Nick Saban standards, there were some lean dark years, and so he resurrected them. So I but I do remember when Bama wasn't like what they had been. But you're right, there are. A, a generation of players right now, these guys that they're recruiting right now and will be recruiting in the future, all they know is Alabama was Alabama, but it hasn't always been that case. So we'll see what ends up happening here. So is there, do you get like a, a sense of uneasiness among the people there that they feel like, oh my God, I we can go back those years? For the, for the people that were around before Saban. Okay. So like the, the, the old guard. The old guard or even like the kids, you know, some of the kids I went to school with, you know, that grew up during Stallings and Shula and before Saban. So they experienced it. And so I think that they kind of understand what you could be heading towards. Yeah, man, that's, it's weird, man. I mean, it's just crazy to think that he's been there. I mean, he hadn't been there like, I guess, what, what, 16 years, 07 to where we are now, 16, 17 years, something like that, whatever, long time, been there a long time, but it has, it's not like he was there. Like, it's like Joe Paterno, right? Where it's like 30, 40 years, however long that was. But for a lot of these kids, I mean, it's just, that's, that's who they know. That's what they know Alabama football as. But all right, enough about the people in Alabama. What about you? When you first saw this news, what was your like initial reaction? I think shock and then a little bit of Did that. Did you believe it? Um, I didn't. At first, I kind of had to like the first couple of times I started seeing it, especially on social media, I had to like go click on the profiles to make sure it was I, it was the right people. Because there's that big thing, you know, back when um everything happened I mean, we live in a troll world where people just try to troll everyone well especially because i think it was back when the whole thing happened with urban meyer and the whole brett mcmurphy and then there was like a oh yeah McMurphy. yeah you're right and so ever since then like on big stuff like this i'm like okay i need to go make sure my my sources are right like that i'm following the right accounts right now yeah i gotta give charlie credit she was the one that that texted me first i was doing i was doing a little workout and i got a text and because like, my music stopped, it's like, what? Who's texting me? And, oh, it's Charlie. He's like, Saban retired. That's all it said. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't believe this. And Charlie's just trustworthy. He's like, come. But I was like, ah, I don't know about this. So I pulled up my phone, Twitter instantly. And I, then what I saw, I saw Chris Lowe curse. And Chris Lowe, I mean, he's not a troll. Like, he's a legit reporter. He's a le- legit journalist. Been doing it for a long time. And when I saw Chris Lowe's report, I was like, uh oh, like this is real. This is happening. And I'm like, you, I was, I was, sh- I was in shock at first. It's one of those things like, I, you knew it was going to happen eventually. I mean, as, as immortal as he may seem, he is, but a mere mortal. So you knew it was, yeah, it had to happen eventually, but it's one of those things was like, I just never thought I would see it happen. Like, you know, what's going to happen, but like, no, it's never going to happen. But yes, here it is. And it's, it's weird, man. Like, can you imagine waking up on a fall Saturday and you turn on an Alabama game and it's someone other than Nick Saban on the sideline? Do you think about that? Well, I, I was talking to some people at work, and I said the first time it's going to truly hit me will be SEC media days when they step up, you know, because we'll have the press conference and all that will happen, yes, but it won't hit until, to me, until they, um, whoever the next coach is steps up to that podium at the SEC media days and, and starts talking about this season, you realize, okay, it's no longer him. Yeah, man, that's, that's a good point. It's going to be SEC media days. I mean, I just, man – I can't believe it, dude. I mean, I can believe it because yeah, he's what, 72 years old and there's a lot of changes going on in college football. He is the old guard at this point, and I get it. I mean, it's really – we've talked about this before in this show. They've got to do some things to change the the calendar in college football. they got to make it – got to reduce the strain on coaches or we're going to see guys like Nick Saban exit stage left. I mean, it's going to happen, and it might be guys younger than Nick Saban. I mean, I get concerned with Kirby, to be honest with you, Curtis, uh, getting burned out with this stuff. So they and, – and Saban's been around. He's done it long enough. He's old enough. He can say, look, I, I just – I, I can just leave, man. I'm good. I, I've had my run. I've made my legacy, and I'm good with that. But especially when he lost his house in South Florida, I think you know a lot of people, especially Bama people, are pointing to that where they were kind of like, we should have been on notice because this that, was that the first time we kind of bought a house further away from Tuscaloosa. Yeah, it's one thing to have a house at the lake. Mm-hmm. which you can kind of drive to, but mm, South Florida a little different. You're not driving. I guess you could, but you ain't doing it one day. Yeah, that should that should have been a warning sign right there. Do you think he's gonna do TV or something like that? I think he will. I I would. I mean, if I were ESPN, I'd be paying out the wazoo for pe- people. Honestly, like if him I'm ESPN, I don't think they'll ever. They're never gonna push Corso out. But I would like ever so gently urge him, like, hey man, maybe it's time, and then like put Saban in that seat. But Saban's no young buck himself. Did you ever hear that rumor years ago that he was that he got an offer to be on College Game Day and he thought about retiring then but never did? Did you ever hear that? I had not. 
Yeah, I heard. I don't know how true that is. I heard that a couple of years ago, but I imagine I don't know if it'll be game day, but I mean it would make sense. Um, but I, I certainly think he'll be doing some TV some way, somehow, somewhere. I don't know, especially if Pat McAfee doesn't come back on game day, which that kind of seems up in the air right now with all that stuff going on. I mean, Saban, I mean, is as good as, good of a replacement as you're going to get, as big of a splash as you're going to make, right? Yeah, that is true. Wouldn't surprise me. Although, who cares? That doesn't really matter. I don't watch that stuff anyway. All right, so yeah, crazy stuff. Both taken by surprise there. I think the next question we have to talk about, Curtis, here, and I kind of alluded to some of my thoughts as to why, but why do you think now is the time for Nick Saban? Why is he walking away? Um, You know, I, I was talking to some people also at work, you know, because, I mean, as soon as the news hit, this is what we talked about. Um, This is the first time you're seeing in foot, college football, but you've already seen it in college basketball where you lost three of the best coaches in the entire NCAA basketball. When, yeah, when Jay Coach Wright K. walked away, I was shocked because yeah. he's not that old. Exactly. Coach K and Roy, you know, they make sense. He has a huge deal, and it makes sense, like, kind of like Saban, it's the, they're the first to guard to go. But Jay well, Wright was the biggest out. shock. And so I, th- so I think you saw it in basketball, and I think this is the first time in football, but it's bound to happen, especially it's when potentially happen. they can go to the NFL or go to uh, announcing now and still make pretty dang good money. It's like Danny Glover, leave the web. I'm too old for this shit. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. what it is. Pardon my language. I know it's a family show, but that's, I mean, that's just the first thing that came to mind. It's the best example I can think of. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I think just like the changes. Also, he's getting older. You know, you want to be able to enjoy your life a little bit while you can enjoy your retirement. Of course, all this man has ever known as an adult is coaching. Yeah. All he's ever known. And even though like it wasn't as strenuous as it is now in the day and age that we live in now with NIL and transfer portal, having to recruit your own players constantly, all that. It's never been an easy job. It's been a tw- almost a 24-7 job, 365, Curtis. I mean, they're recruiting nonstop. Like, think about these guys. Like, I don't think the average person understands that even when they're at home with their families, they're not always like at home with their families. They're there, but they're on the phone constantly, guys. I mean, they're recruiting nonstop. It legitimately never – even if they're not talking to someone, they're texting someone. They're on – they're DMing people nowadays. Like that's what they do constantly. And during Even the offseason now, especially the summer, is taking on a whole new life. In recruiting it used to be the recruiting downtime, but now like June is kind of replaced December as like the recruiting month and all these commitments are going down. So while everyone else is going on vacation, no, like they're up here every freaking weekend, guys. There's like a dead period for a couple of weeks, but they're up here the, most of the summer on weekends doing official visits, unofficial visits. They like never stop. So this guy has never really known anything other than coaching. And I mean, he's getting up there in age. So I imagine he wants to enjoy some time while he can and while he's got good enough health to do it. So that's clearly a big part of this. But Kurt, I want to get your thoughts on this. Here's something that I'm kind of workshopping here. I've been thinking about this since the news hit. And this is not something that's – I've thought about this a little bit in the past. I just haven't gone deep on it because he hasn't retired or had not retired at that point. Do you feel like in some ways Saban is looking at this and feel like he's lost the edges that once allowed him to be so great and dominate the sport so much? I think it does because, I mean, even to a degree, look at Kirby. I mean, he's still really good at recruiting. But if we were five years ago, you know, and if Kirby had won back-to-back national championships, things would have been a lot different. So, I mean, things are changing already. Um, especially I think it's becoming harder to dominate the sport. It is because, you know, there are a lot of programs with money out there that hasn't always translated to winning, but now is their chance for it to translate to winning. Yeah, that's what I've always – I've said over the past couple of years, I know that Saban has, what, you know, I don't know, seven national titles, something like that, six of them, I think. And Kirby's only got two. But the fact that Kirby did it back-to-back, and I know Bama did it back-to-back you know, about a decade or so ago, but the fact that Kirby did it back-to-back in this era, in this day and age, when it's just so hard to dominate the sport, when you have Transfer Portal, NIL, and, and everyone – and now like people have caught up, and now NIL is changing things in terms of like who can get players and all that. The fact that Kirby's been able to do it in this era, in this context, I have found that more impressive than some of the things that say – I mean, Saban's won seven. Like, he can't touch that. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. But the job Kirby's done, at least in a, in a two to three year span, I think rivals at least the, the, a window. Like Kirby at his best right now, I think maybe rivals Nick Saban at his best. Like if you put our program back in 2007, like if Kirby took over Georgia in 07, like when Saban took over Alabama in 07, I think that we would be the team people look at as like Alabama, right? But we always had, like they didn't, they didn't, he, what I'll say about Saban is as great as he was, he didn't have to overcome Alabama. You know what I mean? I guess that's what I'm saying. Like when Kirby got this job, he had to overcome Alabama. It was fully built out. When Saban got into the SEC, it was kind of a power vacuum there. There wasn't that dominant team. And he came in and weaponized Alabama and restored them to their glory. And 
and really kind of capitalize on the cachet that the Alabama name holds in general and was able to dominate the sport. I just don't know if that's possible now or it's going to be much harder to do. I don't know if it's impossible. It's much harder. Because think about this, Curtis. Like forever, Bama had an edge on programs. So they had the, the largest support staff in the country. No one had the support staff that Bama had. And so they were able to prepare better than other programs were. And then eventually programs caught up with that and they get more funding to hire more staff. And, and that edge was lost. But that's fine. You can overcome that because you still recruit at a really high level. But then you had the transfer portal because what was happening is saving all these number one classes, he was hoarding all these good players. And a lot of these, these elite players weren't pl- necessarily playing but they're sitting on the bench and they couldn't transfer to other schools without sitting out a year but now with the transfer portal he can't hoard those guys as much as as he used to be able to so what you see is the distribution of talent is going is being dispersed among a wider swath of teams across the country and then you have the nil on top of that bama used to and look, they still recruit really really well i mean they were number one two years or last year they were tied or they were right behind us this year with nil it's changed things. They used to be able to just beat out other teams for the top recruits because they were Alabama and it was Nick Saban. But now money talks. And while they're still recruiting a really high level, it changed things. And like holding on to those players, you might you might get a number one class, but at the end of the day, two years later, did it really end up being a number one class? Because how many of those players did you actually retain? How many of those players went to other schools to take the NIL money? And so I, I think it's just become harder for him to maintain the edge that Alabama had for all those years to be able to dominate the way they did. So I think when you see that and the fact that he is getting older, you kind of merge those two things. I think that's probably why he decided to leave. I don't know. I don't know the guy, but that would be my speculation there. So I don't know, man, but either way, he is gone. He is gone. Now, I do want to get to how this affects Georgia. Because this is a Georgia podcast. We have we can't ignore news that shakes college ball world like this, but we, all, we do want to focus on the Georgia part of this. So how does this affect Georgia? Curse. What are the implications for the Georgia Bulldogs? This affects us in a lot of different ways. I was, you know, talking to my dad not too long ago, and we were talking about it, and it's very true. I mean, first off, now this it's probably an exaggeration, but I said it, it, it wouldn't shock me if around at least 50% of the players that ended up at Bama had Georgia in their final three or even oh, final sure. two. And I think so. I think you're going to see a big effect in recruiting wise because you're no longer recruiting against the goat. Um, Alabama brand that still does carry a lot, but how much of that was carried by the fact that Nick Saban was the one leading the brand that helps a lot in recruiting because who knew, whoever goes there will still get people, but not to the level of Nick Saban. Yeah, and I, I do I agree. Think, well, I, probably not. Probably not. The first, if they hired the right recruiter, maybe. But yeah, no, I just, right. it's I hard to think, think it's not level. always about the recruiting. Like Saban, all the people talk about how weird Saban was and, you know, like he was gruff and, you, you heard all those things about him, but yet we had a mistake about it, him. Yeah, kids still went because he was Nick Saban. You were going to Nick Saban. Like when you talks, you listen. Exactly, and who, no matter who they hire, I, there's no one that's respected like that. That's a very fair point. Now, I had a, a, a good conversation with with someone on Twitter, um, uh, Bulldog Report, by the way. Make sure you're following them if you're not on social media. Uh, good conversation, respectfully. I think we might disagree a little bit, respectfully. It's all good. I am of the opinion that. Alabama, the brand, has more cachet than just about any program out there. Now, what the Bulldog Report was saying, uh, Eric, who runs it, was that it was it's not really Alabama has the cachet. It, it was Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. Where do you stand on that? Um, that may be the fact, but they've won championships without those two there. So that I think that's kind of how I say that at times yeah. they are ultimately bigger than just those two. Those two have won a lot. And I mean, but let's be honest, UCLA has a huge brand and they still, it's not as much as it was, but in basketball, they have a huge brand and that was all John Wooden. Yeah. You can, right. you can say it goes to one person, you know, that maybe started the brand, but that doesn't still doesn't change. But the, the fact, fact that they were there helped build the brand. They, they might've been the one who built it, but the band, the brand is still built. Now the, the, yeah, brand, the brand, brand might lose its shine over time mm-hmm. a little bit. But the, what I would say is like, I feel like, yes, there, did Bama lose some of his cachet between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban? I would say absolutely, but it, it was always Bama. It was always no, like, I mean that's, that's why Nick Saban went to Bama because he knew right. he had that he had that right. name. To, it just, to it just took the right coach to weaponize it. Exactly. I mean, it's just like Georgia. They were always they called the sleeping giant because they were there, and the brand wasn't what Bama is. But the fact is, the brand brands like that still need a good captain to lead the ship. Yeah, yeah, and, and the reason we were talking about that is like okay. You know, I had an idea on who I would go after, which we'll get to in a few minutes. Um, but, we'll, yeah, we'll come back to that. But, yeah, I, I think Bama, I mean, guys, especially right now, think about the players they are recruiting. 
again, like we said earlier, all they know is Bama is like the premier program in the country. That's all they've known their entire life. It's Bama. Now, maybe 10, 15 years down the road, if they hire the wrong guy, maybe that changes. But, but if you hire, whenever Bama hires the right guy, they're always going to be able to be one of the top teams in the country because they have that cachet. It, they're, not every program can do that. You know, some programs have their high high points, but you know, if, if the coach leaves, they go back down, and they don't really. It's harder for them to come back to the top. I don't think that's the case for Bama. I think they have a certain level of cachet that's been built up over the years. But that's just that's just me there. Uh, let me ask you about this, Curtis. Uh, actually, before we move on from recruiting, I, I do agree with you. I do think that this is clearly going to make our life easier recruiting. Let's, let's be honest. You're right. Like, a lot of those guys that that we lost out to that ended up going to Bama, like we were right there. It was us or Bama. You know, Justice Haynes, Caleb Downs, like those kind of guys in, in recent years. I mean, even Dallas Turner, Curtis, let's not forget, like we were heavily involved with Dallas Turner. Like, he was going to come to Georgia if it wasn't Alabama. He goes to Alabama because he thought at the time that was the best place for him to win national title, which he made pretty clear with his comments that they lost the Rose Bowl. So I do think it – there's other programs that recruit at a really high level, but when you do have to recruit against Nick Saban, does that help your recruiting to a degree? Yeah, of course. It makes it easier to maybe land some of these guys that we always are fighting for against Alabama. So I do think that helps to some degree. Um, I do want to ask you about this because I know a lot of people have posed this question to me. Are we going to try to go after any of the players on the Bama roster? Now, this is very much up in the air – because we don't necessarily know the status of where those guys can transfer to SEC schools now. Like, what, what, what's your mind on that right now? I would be all, I would be sharpening the knives ready to attack. Who do you go after? If, if we can, who do you target? Number one, Caleb Downs. Yeah. I'm sorry, KJ Bolden, but he's better. Him and Starks as your I mean, he's got experience, safety. man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as those two guys as your safeties, you're good luck. Yeah. Probably would target, I don't know. I don't know who the cornerback. What, 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 uh, edge players, but I mean Turner's gone, so I mean we're fine there. I mean Turner's they don't have him right now. They're saying they got to take that, that guy. Do it. Yeah, Downs for sure. Um, I don't know. What about Justice Haynes? I mean we're good at running back. I'm fine with where we are at running back. I'm we're good. We're good at running back. I mean there's always going to be a defensive tackle, someone on the D line, just just the way they develop there. Caden Proctor tackle. Yeah, yeah, I would do that. Yeah, I would, I would, I mean, I'd try. You got to spin the tires on it for sure. I mean, here's the thing, guys. Yeah, in case you're not aware of this, so the the SEC, it's not an NCAA thing. The SEC has created its own rule that there's a deadline where if players don't enter the transfer portal by a certain date, which has already passed, then they cannot, they can transfer, but they cannot transfer to another SEC school. No interconference transferring at that point. So they had, had to have already entered the portal. Now, with Saban leaving, with the SEC or with uh, him leaving and then the head coaching job opening up, what that does is it opens because the the uh, January window, December window, the winter window, I guess, for the transfer board has already closed. But with the, their head coach leaving, it opens up another 30-day window for the players on Alabama's team to enter the transfer portal. So now they have a month now to decide where they want to enter the transfer portal. That's clear. That is real. Now, what is still unclear is whether they're now going to be able to transfer within the SEC. Will the SEC lift its own rules, make an exception here? I don't know. I've been looking at that for that furiously, trying to find some answers, some clarity to that. I don't know. So I'm still trying to, and if I hear anything, I will let you guys know, but that remains to be found. I, I It would take an exception, and I don't know what that's going to look like, but it bears, I mean, Curtis, it, it makes sense that they should allow them to do that, right? It's only fair. Yeah, I mean, why would you let other conferences go rate some, one of your best rosters to help them? I've always felt that's that's the crazy part about this SEC imposed rule. It's like, so you're gonna let all these great players go to other conferences and drain the conference of talent? I mean, okay, I guess that's something you could do. So I've always thought that's kind of strange. So I I imagine if I had to guess, they will be able to transfer within the SEC. I just don't know that for sure, for sure. But yeah, Caleb Downs is the one to to definitely watch. And does that mean we're gonna get him? No, I don't know. I don't have any hard evidence on that or anything I've heard, but you gotta you gotta make him say no, I think at least. Uh, that's what I would make him do. How does this affect our ability to get in the college football playoff and win national titles, Curtis? Does that make it potentially a little easier for us? Does it clear the path somewhat? I think it does help us, yes. I mean, Alabama, isn't. if you were to beat them, doesn't carry as much potentially. But I I mean, now you're the top, potentially one of the top brands in the conference, if not the top brand. And you're going to be, I mean, let's be honest, Georgia's pushed a lot but they still have to compete every day with the Bama brand when it comes to – I mean, to, we haven't been doing it as long. That exactly. Their brand is more established than ours. 
Exactly. And now I believe the Georgia brand's going to get pushed more. And and I think it's also going to help us because this may sound petty, but the best teams get calls because they have to protect the best teams. Oh, you now just sure. took away someone as respected as Saban and as good as Saban. I'm not sure that they may get those same calls that they used to. And, and Great point. in return, it may go to the, the new team that you need to protect. I had not considered that. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, I, I like that. I think it, I mean, it's obvious. I, this is not breaking news. It clearly makes our path to the Cosmo playoff easier because it removes the biggest obstacle within our own conference to getting to the Cosmo playoff. Guys, if Nick Saban wasn't Alabama and Alabama wasn't what they are right now, we would have won the national championship this year, right? Now, we screwed up. We didn't play well. We lost the game. There's a lot of teams that we could have played. And even if we had played that poorly, we still would have won the game. Not the case of Alabama with the talent they have on that roster with Nick Saban coaching that football team. Even go back to 2018, if we if, if we play somebody but Alabama, we win that SEC championship, Curtis. We go to the college football playoff. Then would we have won it? I don't know, but we would have made it. You know, yeah. and then if you make it, you're one of four. You got a shot, man. Yeah, so there have been multiple occasions within the past what five six years. I mean, you can go back to 2017 national championship or right? 2018 national championship game. There have been multiple occasions where Bama has been the force that has stopped us from winning national titles. And I'm not saying that Bama is not going to be good in the future. It's still Bama. And I imagine they're going to get a good coach. I imagine it would be a highly sought-after job, a very attractive job in a lot of ways. In some ways, maybe not. You don't want to be the guy that follows Nick Saban. You don't want to be the guy that follows the guy. You, you know, what's the old saying? You want to be the guy that follows the guy who followed the guy? You know, you got to keep that in mind. But still, it's an attractive job. You can get paid a lot. You got, you got access to a lot of players, great resources, history, tradition, all that, whole nine yards. But this – is clearly going to remove the biggest obstacle for us within our own conference. Now, LSU is still going to be good. Ole Miss is doing some good things right now. Tennessee's kind of on the upward trajectory. There are still good programs with the SEC, but there's no one even remotely close to Alabama other than Georgia. So if Saban's departure from Alabama causes them to take a step back slightly, at least in the short term, there's only one team in this conference who is situated to fill that power vacuum, and it's clearly the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, right now it is Georgia Alabama. You know, it is. And I don't, and I don't know if all the listeners. I think you probably have seen this. I don't know if all the listeners have seen it, but they're kind of talking about the projections for next season, and they're broken down in the tiers. And the top, what the top tier was, you know, kind of the jug. I can't remember what the word was, but it was like juggernauts, pretty much like the rosters are built to win, and it was Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. And that is yep. true that you have the rest, which are NIL teams that can compete with NIL. They had all the different categories, but those were the top, the three at the top. And and that's true. And that's how it's going to be with Georgia going forward because the foundation is built so strong. Yeah, 100 percent, Curtis. I mean, look, it's crazy right now, man. I mean, now that Nick Saban has left Alabama, has retired, there are now only four active coaches in the entire country that have ever beaten Kirby Smart. Hugh Freeze beat him back in 2016. Butch Jones also back in 2016. Gus Malzahn. And then you've got Tom Herman in the 2018 Sugar Bowl. So four active head coaches have ever beaten Kirby Smart. Only four guys can say that are actually coaching football right now. And not one of those guys has beaten Kirby Smart since 2018. There's only one man who has beaten Kirby Smart since 2018, who was, at, who was actively coaching football up until today, and that man was Nick Saban. Now, there's not one single active coach in the country that has beaten a Kirby Smart Georgia football team since 2018. So clearly, our path to a college football playoff and a national championship has gotten easier today. I always have gone back, and, I, and I've talked about this for years. Like when we played Clemson to open the 2021 season, and we talked about Clemson a lot in going into that offseason or going into that season during the offseason. And I, you know, did a lot of preview stuff, and I had obviously watched Clemson a ton. And what I said going into that game, I remember, if you guys remember, if you were back with us all those years ago, I was extremely confident all offseason long that we were going to beat Clemson. I was very confident. Why was I very confident? Because I had watched Clemson very closely, and I, they had been a really good program, but. The overall talent level on that team was not on par with what George and Alabama had. It just wasn't. They, their ability to win national championships, in my opinion, was a function of two things. It wasn't that they had the overall talent. It wasn't they had the better coach in Davos. I know he's won two national titles. You can't take that away from him. But he's not a better coach than Kirby Smart. He's not a better coach than Nick Saban. It was a function of, number one, they had two generational quarterbacks. And I, I don't use that word lightly. At least in terms of college players, you have Trevor Lawrence. You have Deshaun Watson essentially back-to-back, -back, right? 
And that if you have the quarterback, you got a chance, especially if you get into a 14 playoff. And they were able to get in the 14 playoff, what, six years in a row? Because they played in the freaking ACC, Curtis. There was no challenger to them. Florida State was down. The ACC, what, the ACC Coastal was an absolute freaking joke. Whenever they got in the ACC championship game, there was no one that was even going to come close to beating them. They were just going to dominate the ACC championship game. So basically, as long as they beat Florida State, they were going to get to the college football playoff. And they did it six years in a row. I, I said that offseason, and I'll maintain this. I'll say it until I die. If Clemson was in the SEC for all those years, there's no freaking way in hell they make the, the college football playoff six years in a row because the path to get there would have been far more difficult. You, had, you would have had to overcome both Alabama and Georgia. They didn't have to overcome either one of those teams. They'd have to play them when they got into the playoff. And they beat them a couple of times. But, you know, when you get that that one off, you know, you can win those games. But if you had to do like what we did, play Alabama in the SEC championship game and then potentially face them again in the college football playoff, well, that's a, that's, that's a very different story. Like doing it twice, can you? I don't know. So I'm not saying that our path is going to be what Clemson's was back in the day, but it's certainly more manageable with Nick Saban out of the pitcher. I mean, you can say the same thing with Michigan, Curtis. Think about that schedule this year. I know they won a national title, but think about that schedule. What if we got to play Iowa in our in the in the SEC championship game? Their path oh. was easier. They have not had to deal with Alabama. Now Ohio State's been good. I get that, sure, but not Alabama. They haven't been Alabama like FSU this year. Yeah, I mean I know they went undefeated, but their path was pretty freaking easy, man. And they got to the, the ACC championship game, and you play a Louisville team that lost at home to a seven and five Kentucky team to end the season. So we've always had that harder path. It's always been a source of frustration for me because you can say, oh, well, George, you should, you know, it was a de facto playoff game, the SEC championship game. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine if every other team has to play a similar a similar caliber opponent in their yeah, conversation. See, that's the thing. I get, I, yeah, I get we're always a de facto elimination game, but why are we the only one that has to be – the, yeah, that, that, exactly. That because the SEC is better. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, the SEC is always going to be better, but it's not going to be as much better. You don't have that that giant to contend with in Alabama. So absolutely, this is, uh, I would dare to say, amazing news for Georgia, Curtis. I mean, it is what it is. I'm not saying I'm running for Alabama. Here's, I don't say this too, Curtis. I'm actually, I think I said this earlier, in a lot of ways, I'm saddened by Nick Saban leaving. And maybe saddened's not the right word. Maybe I'm a I'm a little glum about it because I actually really want to have opportunities to play him again and beat them. You know what I mean? I, I you know, Kirby's always going to be, what is it? One and five, one and six against Saban forever now. Yeah. You know, and I would have loved to have the chance. I mean, I still very much, I want more than anything. I want to go into Tuscaloosa and win that game next year, but you know, I would love to have done it when Nick Saban's there. So, you know, that, that kind of sucks. But outside of that, I mean, in terms of competitiveness and our ability to win national championships, this is extraordinarily good news for Georgia. It just is. It just is because we are the one that's positioned to be the next Alabama. Now, will we become that? I don't know if we'll ever become what Alabama was under Nick Saban again. I don't know if that's possible or it's possible. I just think it's much more difficult in the modern day and age of NIL and transfer portal unless they do some things to rein that stuff in, which I, I don't know if I have any faith in that ever happening. But, yeah, I think this is pretty clearly good news for Georgia. All right, guys, we still have some things we want to cover here today on the podcast with this Nick Saban news. But first, I do want to remind you guys again about our great friends at my bookie. Yes, college football is gone for, what, eight or nine months, but it's all good. We've got college basketball to tide us over all the way to spring practice through the month of January, February, March, and into April. And you can get in on the action as well by going to mybookie.ag using our promo code UGA when you sign up for a brand new account, and you'll get a 50% bonus on that first deposit. They have so many great betting options for you guys. They have, of course, the parlays. They have straight game lines. They've got team totals. They've got full game totals. They've got cash pools, all sorts of ways for you guys to make money. So get on the action while you can. Again, it's mybookie.ag. Use our promo code UGA and bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Curtis, let's move to a new angle here, talking about this Nick Saban retirement. Maybe the last thing I want to talk about here, I think we need to talk about, unless there's something else on your mind. Who's next to Bama? If, he, if I had to pick one person, my money would be on Dan Lanning. That's who I immediately said. That's where my mind went immediately. That's that's who I'm going after. If I'm Bama, I am making that man an offer he cannot refuse. I'm making him. Now, well, first you had to ask Kirby, right? You had to make Kirby say no. Yeah, you but do. Do you, do you think there's uh, – let's, let's at least – let's go there for a second. Is there any remote chance on planet Earth that Kirby Smart would say yes and go to Alabama? Zero. Absolutely zero. And I know some of you might be worried about that. I'm just telling you guys. Again, I don't know Kirby, I mean, but I know people who do know Kirby, built, and there's you, zero chance. You've built, you've built your juggernaut, and now you, the one Why person would you go to the, the degrading juggernaut and not the ascending exactly. juggernaut? And, and now the one person that challenges your juggernaut's leaving, and now you're the only juggernaut standing, and you would leave. And then second off, why would you – no one – and this is – you know, I'll even say this about landing when we get into it later. No one wants to follow the GOAT. Following the GOAT may be nice for a year – well, it's not even the same anymore because back in the day, you could follow, you still had their recruits for a year or two. That's really not the case anymore at the portal. So you can't even, you know, ride their coattail that much. You have to be the alpha of all alphas to want to follow the goat. I don't know, man. Like, and it's a very tempting job. So somebody's going to do it. I mean, clearly somebody's going to do it. I would just be very weary of it because there's so many instances of it just, it not working out for the guy who follows a legend. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just, there's, in, there's too many examples of it. And I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I would. It's hard, but it's hard to say no to Bama with all the advantages they have. Now there, there's not as many advantages. I will say that. I will admit that. It's hard. But but go back to Kirby real quick. I'm just telling you guys. Look, everything you said is right, Curtis. He not only is Georgia the ascending juggernaut, while Bama, at least on the surface, is the degrading juggernaut. The ascending juggernaut, Kirby built himself with his own blood, sweat, and tears, and it also happens to be his beloved alma mater his wife's beloved alma mater, it, it, it's not happening. He's not going. And like, will Kirby get a raise from us? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be leveraged by his agent, of course. Jimmy Sexton's going to leverage that, but he's not going to Alabama. I have I have no concerns about that. I, I would go for landing two curse. Curtis, uh, he would be my uh, my number one option if I was Alabama. He'd be my target outside of Kirby if Kirby says no, which he's going to say no. But I, mean, I want to get your thoughts. Why did you say landing? Um, I mean, it makes the most sense. You know, if you asked me five years ago, it would have been Dabo, but I think – Dabo at this day and age has really shot himself in the foot with any potential of ever leaving, going to another program with his views towards transfer portal. There's no way I would, I would take Dabo. Exactly. Any athletic department, the brain is going to say, no, you would screw us by being so hard headed. Yeah. Here's why I wouldn't take Dabo. Is Dabo a good coach? Yes. But again, go back to what I said about Clemson. It wasn't that Dabo was just amazing coach. It, It was the ACC and two elite generational quarterbacks and you can't count that being the case again for, for Clemson. You simply can't. And you're right. He has not adapted to the modern age of college football. And that has hurt the Clemson program. They have fallen off largely because of that. And what, he's, he's going to change his stripes and go to Alabama? I don't think so. So in, with, in that context, I, I do not take him. I know that sounds crazy. He's won two national titles. I just simply think there are better coaches that are going to be more equipped to weaponize Alabama than, than Davos Swing. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And then I think, you know, if you look at some of the other potential names in college football, you have Kiffin and Sark, but especially Kiffin, I just don't see him being a fit at Bama. Yeah, Kiffin's a popular name. It why, is. why is he not a fit? I just don't think his ego and his personality will fit. And the way, you know, he didn't leave Bama on good terms because he was too busy at the Stabin, uh, the Stabin Shack with Coeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his, his new girlfriend was what, like? She, I think I, she's I, in the same sorority as his daughter. It's wild, man. She was, I think. So yeah, I, I just don't see that. I just see that, you know, Bama not turning to that because Bama, there, there is. A they want to win, Curse. They will sell their souls. You know that better than I do. I know, but I just, I just don't think he, the powers to be can deal with that ego because it, you know, and the fans because they'll love it. But Kiffin's not going to win every game because that's just not who he is as a coach. And they will turn on that personality quickly. And I think yeah, you're exactly right. If they don't win, they'll get rid of him real quick because of that the personality clash. Yeah. And that's why I don't think it's a fit. I also uh, he's an, an incredible offensive mind. 
Um, I have a lot of respect for Lane Kiffin. I just don't know if he's the one that would be best fit to weaponize Bama because the advantage that Bama has allowed them to be an elite recruiting school, a recruiting superpower. And Saban or, or Kiffin, while he does a great job in the portal, has never been about recruiting. That's not his thing, Curtis. Like he's not a grinder like that. Like he just wants to have fun and go out there and call plays and throw his clipboard in the air. He's not that kind of grinder. So I don't know if he would be the one. Like I would go after a guy who I think is a an incredible recruiter. You got to be a great coach, but an incredible dynamic recruiter who is going to keep the talent level at a similar level for years and years to come, but can all has also proven that he can be a really, really good head coach. And that's why I think he's Dan Lanning, right? Because that dude is going to recruit lights out. He's doing it in Oregon and Alabama. I think he's going to recruit even better with access to talent. And again, the cachet that Alabama has and how people, you know, especially the guys he's going to be recruiting, what they perceive Alabama to be their entire lives. And he's proven to do a very good job. Now he hasn't gotten to the college playoff, but he's, taking Oregon to a place that that's right there as close as you can get to the college playoff without actually getting in it. I mean, they were right there this year. I think they were one of the best teams in the country all year long. They just fell short Washington. They just couldn't get over that Washington hump, but he's proven that he can coach. He's a young guy. He can connect with players. He's one of those new, like modern age coaches that can connect with those younger guys and he can recruit. I, I think he's the home run. I think he's the home run. And here's what I would say about Lane too, Curtis. If you ask me as a Georgia fan, Hey, Tyler, who do you most not want to see Alabama higher. And I would say without hesitation, I would clearly say Dan Lanning. Do you feel the same way? Um, I don't because I don't have someone I fear like that when it comes to Kirby. And the I don't reason I fear do, him, but I think he would do the I think that he he, he will is the do most the best, built like Saban is. He will do the best, but I, I the reason I'm just like, yeah, sure, because like I know he'll do the best, but I also know he's gonna lose some games because of his decision making. I still can't believe they lost that first Washington game. Yeah. And then going and back to the when they lost to Utah the year before, going for it multiple yeah. times on their side of the field. I mean, that's who he is. And yeah. that's the alpha personality. It's going to work sometimes, but that's also going to get you in. Tr- See, that's the thing. It's, if you do stuff like that, that it makes you who you are and it doesn't work at Bama, like at times it, you know, it works sometimes at Oregon, sometimes it didn't. Those fans are going to turn on you. True. True. It's very true. I I I just think that he he would be the one that would keep their talent level. I agree. I mean, it is right I mean, now. look how Oregon recruits both high school kids and in the portal. They do a great job. Yeah. Now I don't know if Bama will have the money that Oregon does, which is a crazy thing to say. Right, they don't have the, that kind of re- those resources for sure. Yeah. When you have Nike behind you, facility wise and money wise, you can do a lot more. So that will be a difference. Yes, and that has leveled the playing fields, but I would still say that Bama has more access to the best players in the country in the southeast, as that's where they're all located. Now, there are there some kids that would take the money and go to Oregon? Absolutely, that we've seen that. But a lot of those kids do not want to go to the West Coast and certainly not the Pacific Northwest, especially if the money's close. You know, the offers are close at a school like Alabama or Georgia. So I still think you have access to better players and I uh, more access to those better players. And I think that Alabama does have more cachet nationally. Than Oregon. Although Oregon is a great program and has a lot of cachet itself. I don't think it's on the pa- the same par as as Alabama. That's my opinion. Um, but what do you think he would take it if he was offered the job? If he, is there an offer that he couldn't refuse? I think he takes it because I think everyone believes that they're an alpha and that they can do it. I just don't. I think know. he wants to get back to the southeast. I don't know that for sure. I know I know he kept he he stuck at at um at Oregon through the Texas A&M stuff. But Texas A&M and Alabama are two different jobs, man. Those are two different jobs. So I think he would take it if the offer was enough. Like it, it's going to have to be a strong, strong offer. They'll have to shell out a lot of money. I mean, he has a 20 million buyout just for yeah, that. That's the thing too, the 20 million buyout. That's tough. That's tough. That's a big buyout. That might but be. I guess that they're lucky good. that they're not firing Saban. I mean, maybe some of the coaches, they don't have to play, pay buyouts or maybe they keep them. Some of them. I mean, it just depends on what happens. Uh, contract wise too with the assistance that may cost them more money to hire new assistants. Yeah. And I know they don't, you're right. They don't have Nike money order. They don't have Texas A&M oil money, but they got some boosters, but 20 million is a lot though. That's a, that's a big buyout. That's just that's the huge. start. And, the, and that's the thing. That's a, that's just you have to make them a big offer too. Yeah. Probably 10 million a year. I'd say right around there. I'd say, yeah, for sure. So if it's not Dan Lanning, it's not Lane Kiffin. You didn't like Sark. Who do you go after next? Who is it, Dion? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can you imagine? It'll be floated. It'll be floated. Just oh, watch ESPN sure. tomorrow. Just watch for it. For sure. Well, they um, can't help themselves. 
But I mean, someone like Kellen DeBoer. I mean, I think that guy is dangerous. I think that guy is can. He's won everywhere he's been, man. Everywhere he's been. I mean, say he's he. I don't know if people remember this. Saban wanted him before he want he got Tommy yep. Reese. He tried to get him. Yep. Um. Yep. So there's a level of respect there, and I, that guy. Can he recruit well enough there. I just I think he could do it. Okay. Yeah, I miss Bam. I think I think the Bama brand does help, and also when you're that good of a coach, maybe it doesn't. Maybe you don't have to have as Good a player, well, if you're, if you're like a relatable person that's just not a complete weirdo like Brian Harson, you can hire good coordinators to kind of guide you to a degree in the southeast. True. Oh, dude. Oh, it's it's obviously Jimbo Fisher. Obviously. Yeah, that's what yeah, that's can you easy. imagine? Can you Andrew imagine that one too? <laughs> I'm trying to think who else. I mean, does Urban Meyer does he does he like give him a play, guys? Remember me? I don't know. Yeah. If Jacksonville hadn't happened, maybe. Yeah, 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 maybe. I'm trying to think. Like, who well, and if Pruitt name? didn't get the death penalty for so long, it could have been him, maybe. You don't know. Oh, something about Billy. Billy Napier, yeah. baby. Hey, <laughs> I hope so. Except Ash, actually, I don't home, know. Baby. Florida could luck up and get a new, a good coach. Who else is in the, the family? Who else is in the family tree that would be a oh, – Oh, this is one name that I'm hearing from some Bama fans is uh, – is it – uh, Demarco Ryan or the Houston. Texans oh, Demarco Ryan, the Texans coach. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Man, I mean, because we've we've seen a sitting Alabama. NFL coach and Nick Saban go back to Alabama. Exactly. He was also failing miserably to, at Miami. You know what I mean? Like Demarco Ryan's got me in the playoff this year. Exactly. You got, you're, like, you're set up with maybe the best young quarterback in the league. Yes, definitely the best young quarterback in the league. Like, do you leave? No, no. I wouldn't. In the job again, like that, I come back to the NFL coaching job not being easy, but it's not as strenuous. I mean, you look at obstacles that you have to overcome and things that you have to just deal with. It's there's not as many, right, Curtis? Like it's not as strenuous of a job. Like it's not as 24 seven, 365. It's just not. Like it's it's not as stressful. It's not as hard on the coaches. It's not as demanding. So I don't I, I don't know, man. Like maybe like I don't know how much of a how of a pull Alabama would be for him. Maybe he just loves it. Like Kirby Smart loves Georgia. I don't know. Maybe. But I think that's a reach. I think that's a reach. Lincoln Riley, there's no way. No. Not with the way he doesn't play defense. Oh, I don't know, man. Um, I don't think Dabo. I mean, do you think they go after Dabo? Um, I think they'll give him an interview. But will he take it? That's a good question, too. But I think that they'll – they would. I, it, it, if you go would, back to 2018, 2019, I don't think Dabo would have taken it. But now, with how Clemson's kind of fallen off the past couple of years, and the you remember the Tyler from Spartanburg stuff, like how the crap he's getting from the Clemson fan base, and how it's yeah. grating on him, and how he 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 is so insecure about it, and talking about how you guys are ungrateful, you don't appreciate what I've done. I think he'd be more receptive now than ever before. I, I, I just think don't he know. Would I just don't know if the Bama. Would I don't know if Bama at this point. I don't know if Bama would want him. I wouldn't want him personally. Yeah. Exactly. Now, would he That's be better than some coaches? Sure, but he wouldn't be at the top of my list. He wouldn't be second or even third on my list, probably. Yeah, exactly how I feel because I think his whole portal views and a lot of his views on you can't go visit other schools and things like that aren't going to fly. Yeah. Sarkeesian, you don't think? I mean, yeah, but I think he's got more money and better resources at Texas. And now he's got it at least built up, and I think now yeah. he's won. But Texas – Oh man, they have a lot of talent there. They, they recruit really well, but does it have as much pool as Alabama does? In the state of Texas, they do, I think. And uh, yeah, and you can, yeah, you can win Texas, if, you yeah. Can, if you can win Texas. Yeah. I mean, Sark would not be a bad hire. Like Lane Kiffin would not be a bad hire. Sark wouldn't be a bad hire. I mean, I'd I be think okay Sark with that. would be a better hire than Kiffin, in my opinion. I think he's matured more. Yeah, now that he's off the booze, yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean that as a low blow, like legitimately, yes. Um, he's a little bit of a, of a loose weapon there. Uh, yeah, I mean, those wouldn't be bad hires. I just think I would go after Lenny. He'd be the one I would go after. Here's one we haven't mentioned, Curtis. I don't I don't think it's very serious here because he has never been a head coach. He's still really young in his coaching career. Glenn Schumann, anything to worry about there? If you give him like four more years, yes. I think either he has to win at a another school or he has to be Georgia's defensive coordinator for five-plus years. Here's what I – if I'm Kirby, here's what I tell him. If he does get contacted, I don't know. I'd say, look, man, you know how – like what we were talking about earlier. You know how hard it is to follow the legend. It's probably not going to work out. Chances are it's not going to work out as well for that next person. And the, people are always going to compare them to Nick Saban, right? 
and you're never going to be Nick Saban because there is no other Nick Saban. Maybe I'll be the next Nick Saban, but you're, but there's no other Nick Saban. So just wait it out. Stay here where you have access to all these great players. We're going to keep winning national titles, keep contending for national titles, and then you can be the guy who follows the guy who followed the guy. That's the my pitch to him, right? Yeah, that's what I would do. Now, my only concern here is like what if, what if, what if Lanning takes the job and gets the job and he goes after Schumann as a DC? Um, he may, but he has Tosh Lupoy. I mean, he probably would take his guy, you'd think. I think Kirby would pony up to keep Schumann. I'd pay Schumann five million dollars a year if I had to. Exactly. I mean, what he does. And the thing is, I, I, I don't if I'm Schumann, though, I don't know if you're t- I mean, I know you could say, well, it'd be my defense there. But I still just don't know if you're leaving for a lateral. Kirby can use himself as an example. Because let's not forget. Remember when Todd Grantham was hired? We thought, yeah. thought it was going to be Kirby. Kirby had like the the, mem- the memorandum of understanding. Right. And he backed out. Why? Because because Saban got to him and convinced him. Hey, look, man, Mark Rick's great guy. We all love him. He's probably not long for that job. That program is not in the right direction. And if you go there right now and you you go down with Mark Richt, you're never going to be able to go back there as a head coach. If you stay here and work under me and have access to all these great players and keep winning, when and if Mark Richt gets fired or moves on or retires, whatever, you are going to be the obvious next guy there. And it's exactly how it worked out. It's exactly how it worked out. So Kirby can point to his own personal experience in talking to Schumann. If, if. Schumann is a candidate. I don't even know that. I'm just, you know, as Georgia fan, got to throw it out there. Got to throw it out there. I don't know, man. It's going to be wild. January has been wild, man. It's like three consecutive emergency pods I've had to do here. It's crazy. All right, man. I don't know. Like Again, it's kind of stream of consciousness here. Kind of hit me. I got to get to this basketball game. You got any last any last words that we haven't covered? Is there anything that we haven't covered? Um, I'm I sure there is. Just, I think it's just all I can say is buckle up because this next week or two will be interesting. Buckle up. That's right. All right. Last thing I want to ask you, Chris, I think you kind of answered that. I, I want to make sure I get you 100% on record here. As a Georgia fan, there's nobody out there that you would say, man, that's the guy I don't want Alabama to hire. Um, No, because, I mean, every year when I look at teams I don't want to play or things like that, it's really just Saban because he's the only coach that, that I think – I don't know if Kirby fears him, but I think he over – or he respects him to the point where he overthinks everything. I don't I – Yeah, okay, that was, that was – actually, I was just thinking about that. I was going to ask you that too. Does this make – I mean, obviously it makes it easy, it makes it easy to be Alabama because Nick Saban's not going to be there. But I do think truly in, in, like we psych ourselves out. Like we played Alabama this year in the SEC championship game way differently and approached that game entirely differently than we approached any other game. We talked about it in the aftermath of that game. Kirby always talks about we want to be the hunters, not the hunted, and we hunt, we hunt, we hunt all year long. I felt like we did not go hunting in that game, and – it's it's happened a couple of times playing them. So do you think that changed now that that, that maybe like mental block against Alabama is different now? I do think it does because I, I, not that Kirby was afraid, but I think he over he overthought and overanalyzed everything to the point where I think he just it really affected his decision making. And, and so almost I think, sometimes like when you know somebody so well, it can kind of it screws with your brain, right? Because like I think he's yeah. gonna do this, but he's over. Yeah, you're right. You overthink it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and to me, the, the last couple of years, especially when I feel like Kirby really turned the corner, there's no coach that I've seen him face that he does that other than no Nick one. Saban. No one. He, no I mean, one. he's played he's played Kiffin, he's played Dabo, he's played Ryan Day, he's you know he's played Harbaugh, he's played like all even the people. the uh, the fake punt in 2018. Exactly, like he's done all of these things. Yeah. But Nick Saban gets to him. Yeah. It's yeah, I think there's I think there's guy it's happened too consistently for say there's not something to it. Now I know we won the, the the national title, great, but the other ones it's just it's happened too many times. Not think there's there's something to that. And it's hard to put quite the finger on it, but it seems like there's been something to it. And now that's hopefully not going to be a thing. It's I mean Kirby like really Alabama and Nick Saban were the only like bugaboo that Kirby Smart still had, right? That's it. Because he's yeah. owned every other rival, owned everyone else in the SEC, owned everyone else nationally when we played them, owned them. The only team that he couldn't say that about was Alabama and Nick Saban. And now without Saban, you like to think there's a chance that we can put Alabama on that list of teams that we own. Now, will we ever yeah. own them the way that we own like Tennessee and Florida? I don't know. I mean, Alabama's a different story, sure. But it's more likely now than ever before, right? It is, and all I'll say is whoever the new coach is, I hope you enjoy that your first 
ever SEC game will be at home at night against Georgia. That's a tough Let's one. Freaking go, baby. I can't freaking wait for that game. I truly want that game more than anything I've wanted in a long, 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 long time. Dear God, that's going to be amazing. God, the, uh, they still haven't released all the hotels. This is going to be like $3,000 a night. Oh, my God. I check every day. It's and unfortunate. It's you know, it's really nice to not have to pay for a hotel. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. And I'm thinking about staying in Birmingham, although, like, I don't want to – you know I me. Mean? I, I like to just park and, like, be able to walk everywhere. I don't want to drive the day of the – I don't know. God, it's going to be crazy expensive. But, hey, surprise you paid to be a Georgia football fan these days. But, all right, man, I think that's it, right? I think that's everything. I think so. At least for now. I'm sure there's something we missed, and we can come back next week, and we can hit things that we didn't talk about. But for now, that's all we got. Got to get the basketball game. Go Hoops Dogs. Get another dub here, and I get to it on the SEC. But, all right, Kurt, I appreciate you jumping on, man. Late notice. Talk to you all later. But all right, guys, that does it for us today. I think we covered this about as well as we could on short notice. I'm sure we missed something, so there's something that you would like to hear us discuss as it relates to Nick Saban and how that impacts George moving forward. We're definitely happy to do it. Just let us know. You can hit us up on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. You can email us at GloryUJPodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at GloryUJPodcast on Instagram. We have those mailback questions. I did not forget about them. The plan, as of right now, is to get to those first thing next week, unless something else crazy happens, which apparently is just going to continue to happen. But one day, I promise, we will get to those mailbag questions. And one day, I promise, we are going to talk some hardcore Georgia basketball because, y'all, we rolling right now. Which reminds me, I do need to get to this basketball game, so I'm out of here, guys. Appreciate you. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.